0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Station 34 podcast, episode 7. I'm not screwing up the number this week. Many of you might have been um, uh, uh, sort of thrown for a loop. When I screwed up the numbers on the episodes last week, that is all done. We are on episode 7, lucky number 7. I'm David Van Sluten. I'm Lance cool. And uh, this is the uh, the podcast we put together to accompany Lance's company, Ladder 34. Uh, you can go to ladder34.com, check out everything we have uh, to offer there. We make products from decommissioned repurposed fire hose, very durable stuff. And uh, But we thought we wanna start talking to people in the fire service from all over the country, all different aspects coming from different angles, different types of departments, and today, different ages as well, because a lot of the uh, people we've talked to up to this point have been, you know, our age or you know, middle age. people have been in the fire service for a while, and we often talk to those folks about younger people coming into the fire service. So today we have a younger person coming into the fire service. We have Isaac Abdallah who is on the phone with us. Hi, Isaac. How's it going, Dave? Good. Now, now, one of the reasons uh, we're very excited to have Isaac on is that Isaac works for the U.S. Forest Service and he can go through what his history with them has been so far and wildland firefighting, which I think a lot of people find very interesting because we see these wildland fires on t- television. We watch people fighting them, but you don't really know the history or the, the path those people have taken to get to those positions. So Isaac's going to be able to enlighten us on that. So Isaac, let's start off, first of all, talking about you, where you're from and what started your interest in the forest in the fire service.
1: All right. Yeah. First and foremost, thanks for having me. Really appreciate that you guys reaching out. Um, so my name's at, Ad- <coughs> in the San Bernardino area. Um, so to answer your question, I, you know, the interest in fire services, um, actually kind of, kind of random. Nobody in my family is, uh, you know, comes from the fire family. Uh, I have a distant uncle that I, you know, never talked to, but for the most part, nobody surrounding me was ever in the fire service. So, Um, I do remember walking to um, elementary school with my grandpa and just a big old red shiny engine from the Rialto fire department. um, The guy in the back just waved at me and kind of just gave me that thumbs up and a genuine smile. And after that, I was simply hooked. Yeah, It was just uh, something to chase and big red shiny engine and (laughs) what's not to like about it. Right. So, so that's how, that's, that's what sparked my interest. And then um, later on in high school, uh, I ran cross country through high school and college, but in high school, one of my cross country friends, they, uh, um, their, their dad was a battalion chief at uh, my local local city department, uh, city of Rancho Cucamonga, and uh, he was a chief. And he kind of, I asked him at one of the races, like, hey, how do you, you know, how do you get into this? What's, what's the deal with all this fire stuff? So he actually just uh, hooked me up with a ride along with one of the stations. Had a great day. Talked to the captain. Really cool guy. And uh, he pointed me in the direction of Fire Explorers. I was maybe 17, 16 and a half, 17, joining the Fire Explorer post in uh, Rancho Cucamonga Fire Fire District and uh, just kind of stuck there for four or five years. Got a lot, a lot, a lot of experience uh, within, you know, Explorer Explorer programs, Explorer-run events that really brought me out of the shell and I got to do a lot of cool stuff and network with a lot of different people from surrounding agencies and surrounding departments. Um, and yeah, and then I ended up, uh, through a couple of the firefighters that I met there at Rancho. Um, they told me about, you know, U S forest service and they actually helped me get my apps in, told me what it's about, kind of put me through kind of like a training regimen and, End up landing a job with the Forest Service.
0: Well, let's back up for one second. I, I want people yeah. to know, there's probably a lot of people out there who don't know exactly what the Explorer program is, because Lance himself okay. was part of the Explorer program with the department that he's with, Cascade Township here in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a nationwide thing, but explain to people what the Explorer program is.
1: Okay, so the Explorer program is basically a branch off of the Boy Scouts Association of America. It's... Ranges from I've seen a couple different variations, but usually from age 15 up to 21. So basically, the way my department runs it is that you would come in as a recruit. They'll put you through about eight months of training, and that training includes, you know, fire safety, fire behavior, ladders, hose evolutions, you know, uh, ropes and knots, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, different, you know, different uh, different skills to learn if you were going to be riding on an engine. And then they put you through all these tests, kind of like a long-term academy, right? Right. Um, then at the end of the year, my department, what we do in my program is that we'll put you through a um, kind of a day-long a day long test of like, okay, well, in the last eight months, we covered 10 units. So on this specific day, we're going to test you on all these units. And um, if you pass all your units, you know, with within reason, you're going to be awarded a a badge, we call it a badge, basically gives you the ticket to ride on um, engines to be the auxiliary fourth man. Right? Okay. In my department, we run three three men. So you'd be the fourth man on an engine, able to run 12-hour 12, 12 shifts or 24-hour shifts, however you'd like to, and be part of the crew. So um, across a, at least my area, we have uh, maybe 15 to 20 different posts uh, within each department. So uh, there's a lot of different Explorer programs going around our next door neighbors. They, they have their own explorers and, you know, it's just kind of like a big community of, you know, kids under the age of 21 uh, yeah. that are networking, working with each other. Um, you know, going to school t- with each other. I, I went to the community college over here uh, locally and uh, I met a couple of explorers through fire classes. Okay. You I know, was just like, Oh, Hey, you're a explorer over there. I'm the explorer over here. So it's a big, big, small community of, you know, kids under 21 that want to be into the fire service that are driving to end up on the big shiny red engine.
0: Well, that's great and I'm glad I'm glad you explained it because one of the things we we talk about when we talk about some of the people we've had uh, some of the guests we've had <laughs> who've been in the fire service for a long time, one of the hardest things these days is to get people who want to be in the fire service and yeah and mm-hmm. and, and making people aware that there are explorer programs out there might somebody who might have an interest in it you know they know they can try and seek out their local explorer program and go through that
2: uh yeah yeah it's a great stepping stone you know you get that experience from when you're 14 to 21 if it's if it's not something that you want to necessarily do then you can you can step away from it but at least yeah um at that age you know it's a pretty influential time to to be around the fire department and and find Mm -hmm. out what it's all about
0: and how many teenagers know how to tie a clove hitch huh (laughs) <laughs> not a lot of them, many, right? If if that's many, if that. that'll get you the date, then hey, you try you try a clove yeah. right? Exactly. So. <laughs> so then you said <laughs> some of these guys at at the fire station um, that you were working out of with the Explorer program introduced you to the uh, the Forest Service and you know helped you apply for that. So uh, let let's go there next. You 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 apply yeah. for the Forest Service with what intentions, and we can talk about your goals with that. Um, you know, as the discussion moves along, but. Once you get in touch with the Forest Service, what happens from there?
1: So, yeah, I, I uh, networked my way over to, you know, thinking about going into the Forest Service and there's a couple guys that had been hot shots or hell attack crew members or, you know, uh, just regular, you know, hand crews that they pointed me in the direction and said that it might be something I'd like. And so, you know, I, I had already graduated uh, college with uh, my associate's degree in fire, had my EMT. And they're just like, hey, try it out. So I, I apply. Uh, it's a bunch of shotgun applications across the country. Just kind of don't really doesn't really matter where I end up. I just want to be on a be on a crew. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get a call from uh, the North Fork Ranger District out in the Nez, Nez Perce Clearwater National Forest, which is uh, in northern Idaho. Okay. So District One, way all the way up there. And they actually gave me a gave me a call early, and they're like, hey, well, you know, uh, we like your resume. Uh, are you still interested? So obviously I said, yeah had a couple interviews and, uh, with my captain, well, who would later be my captain. And, um, yeah, she offered me the position within maybe two weeks of that initial phone call. And, and from January, I think January, I accepted the the position and I would start in May. Okay. So it's just kind of the, the, all right, well, time to get in the best shape of my life and start (laughs) training for it. And, getting ready. So yeah, that's, and I ended up in Northern Idaho. Well, let's, let's explain,
0: uh, let's explain to people because you talk about getting in the best shape of your life. Now I have done some research, not that at at 52 years old, I had any intention of doing this, but just (laughs) out of curiosity, what the physical requirements are to like be on a hotshot crew. And it is, it is not easy. So explain to people what the physical requirements are. We'll, we'll talk about smoke jumpers in a little bit, but just to be on a hotshot crew, you've got, you got to be in real good shape.
1: You got to be built. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a, well, a little background. I I mentioned earlier, I was a cross country runner, all my, all my youth, you know, from freshman year of high school to, you know, uh, my last year in college, I was a, cross country runner. So I was a little, little skinny dude, mm-hmm. um, coming off of that shape. I've learned a lot of different things of how to build muscle, how to keep in shape, how to run, how to train. Right. Yep. So, um, I looked into it as well. I'm not really too familiar of like, okay, well, I know I need to get in shape, but do I just, you know, gain 40 pounds of straight muscle? Do I just go run 80 miles a week? What do I do? So I actually asked one of the past or, you know, previous hotshots, um, that I know from Rancho Rancho Cucamonga department, And he told me, he's like, well, basically you want to be, have a sweet spot between running, lifting, and not being able to stop. You know, so it's just kind (laughs) of like, put that in a blender, put that in a blender and figure (laughs) it out, see what works for you. So what I ended up doing was, um, I, okay. So for cross country, I'd usually run maybe 60 to 70 miles a week. Mm -hmm. So I bumped that down to 20 to 30, but implemented a lot of CrossFit workouts, like, you know, circuit training, fast, uh, you know, what is it? High high intensity,
0: high high intensity workout. interval training. Yeah.
1: There, there you go. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of hit workouts. And, uh, I actually got in contact with one of my, one of my high school coaches who was really good at, good at putting together workouts. And I was like, Hey, coach Nelson, like, Hey, do you mind helping me out? So he'd pitched me a couple workouts that I'd just be doing on my own. And, uh, I mean, at that time, <laughs> at that time, that was when COVID hit. So it was just kind of gyms closed, you know, trails kind of closed. So it's just kind of like, well, I got a garage and I got two, two twenty 25 pound dumbbells. What can I do coach? Yep. So it's just, uh, it was a lot of kind of figuring out what I need to do and, uh, doing it. And on top of that, I had the, <laughs> I had the fear of, man, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the slowest hiker in the world, you know? So that fear in the back of my mind was driving me. So yeah, it's just a, a combination of everything. Yeah. A combination of everything.
0: So what is, what specifically to become a hotshot crew member what what is the physical agility test that you have to pass? I, I if I'm not mistaken, and please elaborate on it. Yeah, you, yeah, one of the things is you you have to I believe it's you have to trek three miles with a pack on your back in like 45 minutes. Isn't that correct?
1: Yes, yeah. So um, that's the I think that test comes from the actual federal U.S. force service. So that goes for across the board for hotshots um, hand crews, engine crews, everybody. But, yeah. um, so the test is, uh, three, you have to complete three miles with uh, a 45 pound pack within 45 minutes. <laughs> so
0: that's, uh, now, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the funny thing. I, yeah. I, I own a border collie who has to move and do something every day. And we walk mm-hmm, constantly. Right. Now I carry a 30 pound, uh, plate on my back when I walk him, um, and the fastest mile I've been able to do walking him is 16 minutes a mile. Now add oh, 15 pounds to <laughs> that and cut it down a minute. And yeah. that's what you guys have to maintain going yeah, over yeah, all sorts of incredible terrain as well. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's pretty intense. And that's, that's like I was saying earlier, that fear of like, man, like, I know I have to be doing that. <laughs> so I need to get ready for that. I want to be that, you know, in two months, three months, yeah. whatever the case was. And is, that, a, yeah,
2: is that an annual test that you have to pass that as while you're on the yeah, crew? Or is yes. that?
1: So, I, yes, I believe so. Last year, um, there was a guy who didn't do it because, I don't know, some paperwork. I don't know. He didn't have to. But basically, he did it anyways. Um, but, yeah, it's usually every, your first day, second day on the crew. It's that pack test is what it's called. You have to do the pack test. And uh, it's essentially a pass or fail. You know, if you yeah. if you finish it in twenty five minutes, it's a pass. If you finish it in forty four with fifty nine seconds, pass. Yeah. But if not, then you, know, you fail and you lose your spot on the crew. Okay, it's cutthroat.
0: It's man. So so, do do you remember your time or
2: no?
1: I I think I hit like a forty two. Okay. Forty two. If I'm not. You passed. from yeah oh absolutely
2: uh, and that's all that that's <laughs> all, that's all, that, all
0: matters. that matters
1: that's all that matters yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, is it, is it it a
0: lot like of uphill it, yeah. was it a lot of uphill or or
1: so with this with this test um they recommend it to be flat on flat terrain okay but um the location that i was at it was just you don't get very much of that so it's kind of <laughs> like a slight slight incline you know of road mm-hmm. um but yeah it was for the most part flat and it was that that's what makes it easier that's probably one of the easiest things that easiest tests yeah pt tests that we had to do yeah that one
0: that was one of the easiest
1: yes yeah (laughs) yeah goodness yeah
0: here i here i am at 48 minutes with 15 pounds less and a border collie (laughs) pulling me most of the way so yeah
1: yeah it's it's a pretty pretty rough terrain
0: so how much did you gain? you know you talk about how you really have to have all three aspects you got to have strength you got to have cardio you also have to have endurance coming out of college um coming out of college and and running having run cross country what did you weigh and what do you weigh now
1: yeah actually I, I i like keeping track of that that's just been a personal you know thing i like to keep track of so my race weight was usually 160 161 when i was in i'm doing air quotes peak, peak performance which is uh, which which for a
0: runner like that that's that's not runner, light you yeah. must be a pretty tall guy
1: i yeah so i'm 6 6 Six eleven on a good day. Or five eleven on a good day. I'm I saying. was gonna say six eleven. Oh. Yeah, was, yeah, no, no, that's huge. <laughs> I'm five eleven on a good day. So okay. and I'm a little stockier built for your typical runner, but yeah, I was usually around sixty. Okay. What well, one sixty, uh pushing and I was a so track runner, I was a miler. Okay. So it was kinda like you had to have a little more muscle. Um so that was my peak performance weight, but I stopped running in December, January came around and I started building. So before I left um, California, which was early May, I I had to have gained maybe like 10, 11, 13 pounds, 175-ish. Okay. And the season went by, and I came home weighing like 1, almost pushing 190. Wow. So I was I definitely built up a lot of muscle and you know a lot of fat just to keep on going. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it was definitely a change, and <laughs> it's funny I look at pictures of myself before before leaving and coming back, it's like, yo, that was, yeah. you know, the different person, completely <laughs> different person, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it def, it's very, very physically demanding. And, and your body will is a testament for that because you can walk in a stick and then come out, you know, shredded yeah. uh, or, or bigger. Yeah. So, so well, yeah, it's, it's pretty tough.
0: One thing I'm interested in also is, is asking you what, what is the daily routine of somebody who does what you do? And, and we'll talk about what you do, now with the U.S. Forest Service, but you, you're not out. Obviously, fire season is approaching us, and, and you guys are going to mm-hmm. be busy. But when things aren't going on, when you're not out in the field, you know, uh, on a crew, working fire, um, what are you guys doing on a daily basis to keep yourself prepped, keep yourself in shape? Take us through a day with someone who works for the U.S. Forest Service.
1: Okay, on the on the off-season you're talking about. Yes. To so keep in shape? Okay, yeah, so... um. So let's take a, a week ago, for example, a regular Monday, wake up. I usually wake up at seven, pushing seven thirty. Uh, I go for a run either run or, um, stationary bike ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, my runs are usually 30, 30 minutes. Maybe if I'm feeling good, 45, squeeze in maybe four to six miles. Um, and then get home or get off the bike and do usually like an hour of weights. Um, uh, like I, like I was talking about earlier, more hit workouts, just kind of get the heart rate elevated and get a good sweat going mm-hmm. um so that weights could either be you know um you know burpees do a lot of burpees a lot of uh, lunges with weights without weights jump squats kind of just more explosive explosive light stuff yeah but with high reps in order to and to mimic the hey i'm going to be working for eight hours today yeah let's just put it all out and stretch out eight hours worth of insane, you know, activity and squeeze it into 45 minutes of elevated work. Mm-hmm. So do that. And, uh, uh, usually, usually just, uh, finish up kind of like get on the bike and kind of do a cool down just to you know, relax, get back to homeostasis. Um, and then another big thing that <laughs> to be honest, I struggle with, um, diet. So yeah, it's kind of just, um. okay. And if I'm going to go out to eat, instead of getting that nice double, double burger and just maybe grab a wrap. Or if I'm really feeling like a burger, get a single with extra lettuce, no fries. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I struggle with, but I know I need to implement more and more. And, uh, this year I've actually been a lot better, uh, definitely seeing a lot more, um, physical improvement, uh, that goes hand in hand with my diet. So a lot of that, um, a lot of working out. I usually go, I usually go six days a week. Um, occasionally I'll take an extra day if I'm feeling, you know, super sore, I won't push it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just that, that kind of routine, mix what? your cardio in with your weights and yeah. toss in the, uh, the ability to endure. Right. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, nu- that's, that's usually workout.
0: Nutrition. like you say, is huge because huge, uh, I, huge. I mean, even though Lance and I, I just brought Lance and I, we just had a pizza special from a local chain here for lunch. <laughs> nice. So middle of the nice. day, but,
1: but yeah, okay. there,
0: I mean, because Um, even in the day, you know, based on the workouts and stuff you do, and I'm sure, and and we'll continue to go through what you do for the day, but I'm sure you're burning a ton of calories in a day.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So,
2: okay. what does, what does nutrition look like? You know, what are you preparing for? I guess once you're active and in the field, what is nutrition like for you on in that category?
1: Yeah. So honestly, and I don't mean to speak bad on anybody. It it sucks. It sucks when you're on a fire and, (laughs) uh It, when you're on a fire working, like for example, 16-hour days, getting getting back to fire camp and you know, um, sleeping your eight hours and you're up again and then you have to go back into the field. So the way it works is, uh, if you're at a big big incident, uh, you'll wake up 5:45, 6, and they'll feed you breakfast. Usually that breakfast is eggs, bacon, slice of ham, bread. You know, so that's good. It's a good way to start your day. But what they'll do is give you a sack lunch. You know, and your sack lunch is. Uh, just a bunch of rice krispies, trail mix, you know, like a deviled egg, ham ham or turkey sandwich with mayonnaise and two pieces of bread. Um, and just a bunch of like sugar, fats, things that you don't really need, you know. So so when I said earlier that you come like I came home bigger, a little more fat. Yeah. Um, it was solely because of the the food that we were given. Yeah while on fire. So it's like, you know, you wake up, have a good breakfast and then your lunch is just full of sugar and unnecessary calories. And, and that's um, all prepared
2: for you. When you, when you're going out into the field, that's something that you're grab everybody's grabbing before they take yes, off. Kind yeah. Of thing?
1: It's just a big, just a bag, just a bag that you toss into your pack. And yep. when it's time to eat, you just take your pack off, take your, your sack lunch out and you just munch at it. Yeah. And then you get back to fire camp and then they'll usually, and you know, uh, commend them. My hat's off to them. They'll, they'll feed you well for dinner. You don't go to sleep hungry. So it's usually like, Oh, the best, the best meal I've had at a fire camp after fire was steak dinner, mashed potatoes, corn, wow. nice. peas. Yeah, it was it was good, and not yeah. and not like a piece of meat. Like it was a good sized steak, and it was delicious. You know. Yep. So yeah, that's that's usually how the nutrition goes at, while, on an incident, while on an incident.
0: Okay, so so let's go back to, you've done your workouts for the morning and everything, in, mm-hmm. in a day in the off season. What's happening then? are you are you guys training? Are you doing uh, um, book learning? What, what what's happening next?
1: yeah, so so in my in my specific case, I'm going into aviation, and to be absolutely honest, I don't know very much about aviation. so <laughs> so I, I try to try to study as much as I can, find uh, resources that I can pull from to to learn things before it's taught to me. Yeah. you know what I mean. Um, kind of go in with a base knowledge of, okay, hey, I know everybody knows, I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to make sure that I can go in with a foundation of like, hey, I know this, is this, how this is how this works. Maybe we shouldn't do that because I read this. So just kind of like, that's might be just a personal thing of like, I don't want to go into a situation where I'm clueless, absolutely clueless. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, usually it's just kind of like a, a, take a, take an hour, hour and a half of just like, Sit back, open your laptop, and just uh, see what you can find and read it, and right. uh, try to keep uh, keep up uh, all your skills. And on top of that, um, I'm an EMT, so I like to to study my my old EMT book every so often. I have all my files on my uh, on my laptop, so every so often I'll just be, you know, thinking like, mm, let's see, let's put myself through a mental scenario. Yeah, you know, a chainsaw accident. What do I do? What right. do I as the the medical the medical medical responsible person. What do I do? And right. How do I overcome it? So well, yeah, a, just stuff like that, just to keep skills tightened up.
0: It's interesting you bring that up as far as the EMT stuff, because
1: yeah. you know,
0: your first thought would think your th- first thought would be, well, you're fighting a wildland fire. Why would you need to, to fall back on any EMT skills? Well, because it's a dangerous scenario and it's not, oh, absolutely. It, it's your coworkers. It's the people on your crew that you, you may be mm-hmm. having to
2: tend to. So that yeah. EMT knowledge
0: is going to be inc- incredibly helpful.
1: Oh, it's golden ticket to anything. Yeah.
2: Really. Are the majority of yeah. the members on your crew, Is does everybody have a medical background or is that kind of a, sp- a specific skill?
1: It's more of a specific skill. Uh, my, the last crew I was on, there was my engine crew. It was 10 people, 12 people. Okay. And two of us were EMTs. So that was kind of like a shy number. But going into uh, here in California on the HeliTek crew, um, there is five of us. Five of us out of 15, I believe. So it's uh, going to be, it's a lot better. Definitely, you know, relieves the load on, on me. And uh, for example, one more EMT, Mm -hmm. because last season it was kind of like, oh, well, if anything happens, just talk to Isaac or Connor, they'll figure it out. It's like, oh, okay, (laughs) cool. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But this, but coming into this season, I, I feel a lot more comfortable in terms of like, Hey, it's a, we have a team of EMTs. Like, okay, you can take lead. I'll assist you. Somebody else will help out here. So we all have kind of like a common ground of what to do instead of two people scrambling to see what to do.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned a second ago that you are now part of, in fact, you told us earlier, you actually just started Sunday and uh, that you're still kind of being ramped up on the aviation aspect, but you are now part of a helitech crew. Yeah.
1: yeah. Which explain to
0: people what exactly that is.
1: So a helitech crew is essentially, um, firefighters deliver delivered firefighters via aviation. Mm-hmm. So um, let's say there's a fire on top of a really steep, you know, hill, mountain, um, and it's a killer hike to get up to. So they'll dispatch the helicopter, local helicopter if there is one. And, uh, you know, depending on the size of the ship, you can deliver, I don't know, four to 15 different firefighters, mm-hmm. individual firefighters that you can drop them off at the top of the hill. They'll hike down to the fire and they'll start working. Meanwhile, you know, other crews or other engines either arrive, make their way up, or um, you know, figure out what, what's next. Okay. What's next of the operation. And on top of that, when, when the helicopter does drop off or deliver the firefighters, they have the opportunity or the, even the capability of doing bucket drops. So they'll find a local source of water, mm-hmm. they'll pick up, they'll drop their line of bucket, fill their bucket, come on over and drop water and just do rounds, okay. however long needed, however long necessary, yeah.
0: Okay, now, I, I'm just gonna guess. Okay. When, the, when these plans are put into place and they're gonna take, you know, however many, 10 of you guys up to the top of a mountain to, to, to sure. strategically attack a certain part of the fire, There, I would assume there's a probably a pretty detailed plan in place, isn't there?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Where just, like in, just like any fire, yeah.
0: We're dropping you off now. These are the these are the things we want to get accomplished. We're going to pick you back up at this time. Mm-hmm. Are those are those kind of things defined pretty? Yeah,
1: yeah, for the most part, yes. Yeah. So, um, so your priorities would be okay. Size it up either from the air or on the ground. Mm-hmm. See what you got working. Um, identify the hazards for you know the public and more importantly the crew, and just kind of see which what's the best mode of attack. Should we go direct and start digging line right in front of it? Should we go indirect and kind of retreat and start digging line over there and start waiting for it to, to come to us? Or should we, we put fire on the ground to meet it and try to extinguish it via fire. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of different ways to go about it, but yeah, it's essentially like that. Um, just, so
2: you go into it with a plan, but at the same time, once, once you're up in the air, you know, it kind of changes the perspective, giving you a bird's eye view so you, you exactly. kind kind of put those things together as as you're going into it and formulate mm-hmm. a plan seeing, from there. Seeing
1: what you got, yeah, seeing what you got, and then changing your plan according to what you do have or what you've identified.
0: And one thing you mentioned, so I want I want to make sure listeners understand when you talk about you know digging a line and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the major tactics for wildland firefighting is creating a fire line, which is basically. Mm-hmm create, you know, using shovels and whatever tools you guys have to create a line to take away the fuel to the fire so that people know that the fire is going to burn. But if you can, if you can create a line where the fuel is only going to go this far, that's one of your major strategies, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of remove the, uh, remove the fuel before uh, the fire gets to the fuel. Okay.
0: So you started Sunday Mm-hmm. And we're coming into wildfire season, which is, is there yes. like an official kind of calendar date where they say, Hey, this is when we're going to start really being, uh,
1: um, I just kind of ready. Is that?
0: Yeah. This? Yeah.
1: Um, so I know, uh, with most crews, especially hotshot crews, it's, uh, they have their two week, uh, two week criticals. So it's kind of like that two weeks of like, Oh, Hey, welcome back. Let's, uh, run you through all the courses, run you through all the tests, run you through all the training. And once you get your two week critical finished, you, um, like I said, my experience is in on a hotshot crew, but you can go either nationally available or start working, um, working in the meantime. There's a, in the meantime, when there's not a fire, okay. so just be doing project work, cleaning up stuff, just waiting around for that big hit. And then once that big hit comes, you're, you're running, you're going,
0: okay.
2: What's that time What do they give you for that? Like if there's a, if there's a big hit, what's what, you know, you got to be ready in 24 hours. Is it a week? What's the.
1: Yeah. So, so on being on the engine, I, uh, you know, and it's funny you ask, we were nearly to the border of Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got a hit, um, a severity call in Arizona. So literally, it was from the top to the top of the <laughs> top of the country to the bottom. So yeah, um, they were popping fires like crazy. So they were asking, you know, extra resources. And at, at that time of the season, Idaho was still kind of raining, whereas Arizona was, you know, 115 dry conditions, Oof. not humid. Yeah. So they uh, requested one of our engines, and I was fortunate enough to go. So I think that call came in on Thursday at like eight o'clock. I want to say, and by twelve o'clock we were on the road. Wow, heading down, and we didn't show up until Friday night, I believe. <laughs> Friday midday, yeah. So it was just kind of like, a, hey, I mean, very that's short one notice. Of the, yeah, that was very short notice, and it was all right. Get here when you can. You start on this day. So, Man. so that's that was a fun one. That was a fun one.
0: Now within the U.S. Forest Service, Isaac, what, what yeah. are what we talked a little bit um before we started recording. Um, I know there's some other things you want to do in the fire service, but one thing you'd like to maybe try to accomplish within the U S forest service is becoming a smoke jumper.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which, uh, for people listening, smoke jumpers are the people you see on television who, uh, parachute into certain areas to be able to attack a fire a certain way, which Mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of considered sort of the special forces of the wild wildland fire, uh, fire service. Correct. Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs>
0: very difficult to get in. Um, mm-hmm. and in fact, I think, do you, do you by any chance know what their, their physical agility test is? I think I've looked it up before. It's incredibly tough.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's like a week long physical test. It's not even just like a day. Uh, <laughs> then when, where I was, uh, where I was up in Idaho, they had, uh, the Missoula jump station Okay. or jump base, excuse me. So they, i talked to a couple of people that, that have worked out there and I asked them like, Hey, how, how is it? Like, Oh, absolute hell, dude. Yeah. Absolute hell. Like yeah. you, they were on your butt the whole time. Like you practice falling all the time and they'll like, uh, they'll make you do a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of sit-ups, just no, excuse me, not sit-ups, just pull-ups just cause they can. Yeah. And if you can't, well, you're out. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Try next year. You know, So it's uh, not too familiar with the exact structure of the, of the physical test, but I know it's it's not easy to get in. Right. It's not easy to get in.
0: And these, these are crews that, I mean, there may be, uh, you know, five or six of them on a plane, but they drop them off in different areas. And, uh, I know just from the little research I've done about them, they basically have, they're going in, I obviously conditions can change, but they're, they're on like a 48 hour timeline, right. Where they're like being yeah. dropped in and we will pick you back up here in 48 hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually. So, um, so with the gear that um, I've I've had um, being up there on uh, in a remote area is kind of similar to what they ha- they have. Mm-hmm. So they they'll take um, their working stuff, so which is your normal pack, your gear, your tools, whatever that may be, Pulaski shovel, chainsaw, with enough fuel to last you to two to three days, and they have something called your uh, smoke smoke pack, or smoke chaser. Excuse me, so- smoke chaser, and uh, essentially what it is, it's about um, three, you know, two to three days worth of food, water, um, your sleeping bag, you know, tent, if you want to bring a tent and, uh, enough, enough of that stuff to keep you self-sufficient okay. for up to two to three days. So yeah, they'll jump with that. And, uh, well, like you said, well, you have either 40, you have 48 to 72 hours to f- you know figure it out. Resources are coming if you need them. See you later, dude. And then you jump out of a plane. <laughs> and All right. Well, pick you up later, man
0: man that, i i can't imagine how
1: yeah yeah and that's that's me too I, absolutely i'm the same boat but that's definitely you know like you were saying earlier i'm i'm, I'm a young buck i'm a boot in the game and i can uh, like we were talking about earlier before um i just want to grab i see all the opportunity like candy so yeah before i check out of the u.s forest service i just want to you know oh yeah i've done that i've done that I What what drives candy, yeah, I
2: did that. what drives you to want to do, to do this to that degree where you are going to be dropped into basically an <laughs> inferno <laughs> and then have to find your way out. What, what is that for you? What is that motivation for you to do something like this?
1: I don't know. I really, I wouldn't be able to, to say like, oh, this is a, the right, the exact reason. It's just to something that I learned to love to do, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the fun excitement the first time. of it, the uniqueness yeah, of, exactly. of what the you're doing the the ability to 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 do backbreaking work and then at the end of the day or at the end of the three day period, you look back and, for example, let's say there's no fire, you yeah. know, you you look around and you're like, man, like we or I did that as a crew or individually. You were able to it's stop
2: like, that fire and and, yeah, and exactly. the opportunity of what you may have saved.
1: Exactly, yeah. and and there's a lot of nights um, that I get get in bed at you know at the end of the day and just exhausted, but yeah. content with like, hey, you know what it sucked we all sucked through it together we embraced it we drove through it and we're back home we're sleeping and we you know rest again and we get ready to do it again yeah there, and you can go to sleep happy
0: there's yeah. an incredible sense of gratification with something that, like Absolutely. that i mean because Absolutely. both even though it's not wildland firefighting both lance and i work for pretty busy fire departments mm-hmm. and there are there are nights i don't get any sleep because we run a ton right. of medicals yeah. and it's a, it's a busy department and you drive home exhausted, but you're right. There's yeah. that feeling of gratification that I did something, I accomplished something, I helped some people, and uh, it, it, there's nothing like it. It's great.
1: Absolutely. So. yeah.
0: So it's let's it. let's talk about. You're 22 years old. You got your whole life ahead of you, kid. You got <laughs> yeah. you got a long time ahead of you. As far as in the fire service, I know we talked about there's a lot of things you want to accomplish within the U.S. Forest Service, but beyond that, what ultimately would you like to end up doing in the
1: fire service? So my goal, uh, the, you know, prize at the end of the finish line is to end up on a municipal department. Okay. Uh, preferably, preferably if I can be picky, not picky, but if I can, <laughs> uh, with my, the local station, uh, Rancho Cucamonga Fire Pro- Protection District. Okay. They're the ones that, you know, they're the ones that brought me in as a, you know, 16, 15 year old kid taught me the ways that they're the ones that made me fall in love with the, far, the, with the fire service and what they stand for and how they work and the cohesiveness and with, within the department and with the public, it's just, it's great. You know, I've seen other departments where, for example, we'll do something that's normal and then another department doesn't do it. And it's like, Oh, you guys don't do that. That's crazy. I'm okay. <laughs> but like just kind of seeing that, but I, I really, that's the goal um, to be at a municipal department big shiny red engine yeah um just working oh <laughs> first i need to get to obviously a firefighter position entry-level firefighter position um after that's the goal right now after that once i get there we'll see like okay let's move up let's yeah see, is a chief position attainable is a captain position attainable so but right now it's just uh hitting that firefighter position at a municipal well i'll we'll hit that when the time comes but yeah that's the goal
0: well i'm fairly confident that that's probably going to happen given the fact that (laughs) you're you're incredibly well-spoken driven young man and you've got uh you've got obviously you know a lot of people at that fire department having been there i i would uh i can imagine there's probably not a lot a lot of people (laughs) going uh you know what i don't think isaac's a good fit here
1: (laughs) so appreciate that
0: but that's that is great, and, and listen, you know, I'm thrilled that we had the chance to talk to you today. Because, like I said, we've oh, talked gosh. to a lot of people so far on on the uh, on the podcast. Most of yeah. them, you know, our age. You know, uh, Lance is a little younger than me, but you know, middle age who who talk about the the fire service and the case that it's getting tougher and tougher to get people to want to do this for a living. So to hear somebody right. like yourself who is so driven and and loves the job and wants to just continue to grow and evolve with the job, it's, it's really great to talk
2: to you. So
1: yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you.
0: So Lance, do you have any, uh, parting words for Isaac?
2: No, I just think, you know, I think something that everybody can keep fresh in their mind is that simple wave and smile that Isaac got yeah. to turn you onto this, you know, really kind of sparked your interest along the way and to never forget That's that, took. you know, what, yeah. what value that may offer
0: still to, to mm-hmm. the best of my knowledge, still the most trusted institution in this society.
2: There we go. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. So,
0: Well, Isaac Abdallah, thank you very much for being our guest on the Station thank 34 podcast. Me. We wish you the best of luck with everything you're doing with the U.S. Forest Service and your career beyond that. And uh, we wish you the best. Stay safe out there. Stay in good shape. And uh, next time, let's go for sub 40 in the, uh, in the hiking test, yeah. okay?
1: <laughs>
0: thank you. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Thanks, Isaac. Have a thank great you. day.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Lance. Uh, smart kid smart kid I, I feel a like a loaf here for yeah. gosh sakes yeah
2: we're gonna have to go for a run yeah we're gonna,
0: I'm gonna go <laughs> uh, we will not be doing the pizza lunch anytime no again more, soon no more so. lunch specials yeah well what a wonderful guest Isaac Abdallah who's is currently working for the for a Helitac crew on the US Forest Service he's in San Bernardino California Um, wonderful to talk to somebody young like that who's got that kind of ambition that sort of drive and uh, learned a lot from him that's so. great yep so, folks, thanks so much for listening into episode seven of the Station 34 podcast. Again, Lance owns a company, Ladder 34. Go to ladder34.com, check out all the stuff that we have to offer there, and uh, check for new episodes every Friday. Thanks so much. I'm David Van Sluten.
2: And I'm Lance Corhorn. And we'll see you soon.